there are coffees that we have put in capsules that the best version of that coffee I had was from a capsule. Yeah, so the numbers that we have from 2021 is 1.2 billion capsules in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> For us, diversifying and being able to get or press coffee, be it beans or capsules, to our consumers directly when they couldn't get to their local cafes was a really important strategy for us and for our survival. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Coffee Business Magazine, Fifth Wave. And today we'll be exploring the coffee capsule or coffee pod market. Since its introduction by Nespresso in 1986, The coffee capsule market today is a multi-billion dollar industry, with many specialty coffee players entering the space over the last five years, and especially since the COVID pandemic. In this episode, we'll be examining the long-run potential of this huge market, whether it is a threat or a complement to the cafe experience and at-home espresso machines, and also why there's been so much growth. We'll hear from Adrian Roberts, CEO of All Press Espresso, Maxwell Colonna Dashwood of Colonna Coffee. But let's begin with Jason Weber, Business to Consumer Commercial Director for Nespresso UK and Ireland. Jason is responsible for Nespresso's in-home coffee solution business and the brand's 44 boutiques across the UK and Ireland. Welcome, Jason. Delighted that you're here today. Thank you for uh, inviting me. So today's topic is about phenomenon, and especially this sort of home phenomenon, the use of capsules has really exploded throughout the world and and in the UK as well. Am I right to say that? Has it exploded? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen uh, since the pandemic, it really has accelerated uh, its growth over the last last few years. So even before the pandemic, it was uh, we were seeing amazing growth, primarily due to a lot of younger consumers coming into the category. As we say, it's been accelerated during uh, the pandemic, where over 30% growth during that period. And how big would that total market be in the UK coffee capsule market, approximately? Yeah, so the numbers that we have from 2021 is 1.2 billion capsules. 1.2 billion capsules. Billion, correct. Wow, in the UK. In the UK, yeah. (laughs) And that really has very strong double-digit growth over the last five to ten years has really propelled uh, that number. But we, we continue to see that 5 to 10% over the foreseeable future as well as really the fastest uh, gr- growing part of the in-home market. So what percentage of the capsule market approximately do you think the capsule market is relative to the entire home coffee market, which would be still dominated by instant coffee? Correct. So the, the portion coffee, particularly from a, a volume point of view, would be still probably under 10% oh, really? uh, from a volume point of view. But the growth is clearly the fastest growing portion yep. or segment of, of the category, clearly, because that's where the younger audiences and those looking for those premium and recipe style and coffee shop style coffees are really coming into the coffee category. And for example, there's, there's very much a, a growing demand for more functional type coffees as well, where people can get more of a boost from the start of the day through their coffee. And this is something uh, Nespresso have just launched in the last couple of weeks, two new products that are really bringing that new functional aspect to coffee. So to really start to meet those uh, new functional needs that are coming through from consumers, particularly those younger ones. 
So what is it about capsules that has made consumers flock so rapidly, really, to, to have their coffee that way? Is it the convenience? Is it the style? Is it the taste, flavor? Is it a combination of everything? Yeah, I think you. I think you've almost answered your. Uh, your <laughs> what a bad your, question. Your, 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 your own question there, but the key one that we're we're finding is the ability to replicate those coffee shop recipes in their home in a very easy way, um, and I think that's very much what's driving the, the growth, and that's what we're seeing with our new Virtuo machine. Like even my six-year-old can easily push a button and deliver. A, a great coffee because the, the new machine has centrifusion, which can actually read the, the size of the cup very much of the barcode of the capsule and with the push of a button can disperse the, the coffee of your choice and of your size. I'd love to understand a little bit more about what the concerns are perhaps from consumers around sustainability and, 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 the, and the initiatives that your firm has undertaken. The key areas we've been focusing on recently is around recycling. In the, in the UK and Ireland, Nespresso has its own dedicated recycling system where we actually come and collect the capsules from your door or you can actually drop them off at a Nespresso boutique or at a Collect Plus uh, location. But we realise that actually that's not enough. Actually, we need to make it even easier for our consumers to recycle capsules and not only Nespresso capsules, but all capsules. So just last year, we launched a new scheme called Podback, uh, which is a collaboration between Nestle and JDE with three brands at the start, which was Tassimo, Dolce Gusto and, and Nespresso. So the, the, the initiative is to work with local councils to really enable those councils to be able to collect a capsules as part of the normal recycling bins that you have outside your house. So it's almost been in, in play for 12 months. And that will make it significantly easier for consumers to recycle their capsules. Any other initiatives? We announced last year reaching carbon neutrality by 2022. And that will be a combination of carbon emission reduction and obviously of offsetting as well. In addition, we will be reducing our, our emissions by 50% by 2030. Now it seems that Nespresso is open to other channels. I wonder if you tell us a little bit about, the, about that journey. Nespresso launched in, in the UK 25 years ago and, and was primarily mail order <laughs> to, to start. And then essentially we then started to uh, open boutiques uh, in the, uh, around 2006, 2007. I think what's safe to say is what we've seen is a key shift on how consumers are buying their capsules really over the last two to three years with the impact of the pandemic, where we've seen a significant uh, rise in online purchases. So we're seeing the, the proportion of our sales significantly shift from our in-store to our online store. So now we're seeing that most of our capsules are being bought online. Our existing members want to experience uh, new coffees because we're at Nespresso, we're constantly launching uh, new variations and new blends and new origins. It's great that, that um, our customers can come into a boutique and explore those new coffees to then add to either buy and store or add to their next online um, uh, purchase. So boutiques are naturally still playing a, a key role, but it's really about driving uh, those immersive experiences and, and storytelling behind our coffee which is becoming more important versus being a distribution channel for coffee. And they're particularly important for our new, new customers who aren't that 
We may have seen uh, Nespresso on TV, but hadn't really haven't tasted our coffee or really experienced what Nespresso is about. This is where our boutiques are playing a key role in, in attracting and enabling those new customers to discover what Nespresso is all about. Uh, there seems to be a huge array, and it's obviously a lot of innovation happening out there in the marketplace by a lot more brands offering Nespresso-compatible capsules. Is that sort of significant relative to the Nespresso brand? Competition is brilliant when it brings a lot of awareness to Nespresso and to the Nespresso system, but equally it pushes us on yeah. to get better and better. And if we were to look forward into the future, what are some of the innovations that we, we, could, we could dream of that might happen within sort of the capsule system market over the next three to five years? First of all, I see the next three to five years as being sort of another period of, of strong growth. I think the a new innovation of Virtue is still really groundbreaking. And, and I think continually there will be new coffees coming into our range. In terms of the number of machines out there in the marketplace, in the UK, do you get an idea of how many machines there could be in households throughout the UK? We're seeing more and more consumers coming into the category every year. So, for example, the hot beverage category is in the 2 million machines per year. And that's increased 20% from pre-pandemic levels. Thanks so much, Jason, for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. It was astonishing to hear that over a billion capsules are consumed every year in the UK alone. It's clearly a very large category and has grown exponentially in popularity as consumers seek a cafe-style experience in their own homes. It was interesting to hear that Nespresso is seeing growing demand for capsules that deliver higher caffeine content than regular capsules. Clearly, as home consumers become more discerning, they're looking for capsules that deliver the strong coffee experience they enjoy in a coffee house setting. Now let's examine what's happening on the more artisanal side of the market. Maxwell Colonna Dashwood, founder of Colonna Coffee, the UK specialty roaster and cafe brand, is a three-time UK barista champion. In 2016, Maxwell decided to enter the capsule market. Let's hear why. Welcome, Maxwell. That's good to be here. Thanks for having me, Jeffrey. You've got a roastery, you're a purist in many ways, but you've entered the capsule market. Why capsules? I've been looking at capsules for a while. And not just me, a few other you know, very notable people had sort of gone, actually, these should make good coffee. Because at the end of the day, it's just ground coffee <laughs> that you then add water to, if you think about it. And one of the big problems, was your only experience of pods was predominantly either Nespresso, or in 2012, the market opened up because Julep won a landmark court case against Nespresso for a number of reasons. And a bunch of big European coffee players entered the market with effectively trying to steal market share with a lower quality product. And so basically, you've got Nespresso's flavor profiles, or you've got these cheaper, pretty low quality commercial coffees. And that's the only pods you can taste. So it forces you to go, okay, pods are rubbish. And my question was, okay, well, if I could have access to a supply chain to make them, then I don't think they need to be rubbish. And quite quickly, we got really good results. And I remember at the shop giving customers a coffee without telling them what it was. And they said, that's amazing. What is it? And I'd made it with a pod. And I also did it to the staff and the staff didn't know. And I was like, as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, this is amazing. This works. We had to do a bunch of stuff like the machines brew at a cooler temperature. It's hard to do it without a roller grinder. We actually started on EK43, a a burr grinder. And so there's a lot of technical challenges, but ultimately. If you put great coffee in there, 
and you adapt a few of the variables, you can get a great result. And what interested me was the false assumption, two things in my eyes, which was Nespresso in, in my eyes was the best premium coffee brand I'd ever seen. I think what we call specialty or independent coffee has a bunch of different, from a marketing point of view, different tribes. So on the one hand, you could be appealing to local craft artisan when you're selling, when you're starting a specialty coffee roastery. That is by no means the same as a premium luxury audience. So there is a little, you know, in specialty coffee, I think everyone thinks they're selling to the same customer, but they're not. And Nespresso had done an amazing job at appealing to that customer who wants to pay a bit more and a mass premium brand, basically. Uh, and lastly, on that was the experience, which people often draw a false binary line between sophistication and convenience. So they say, oh, you can either have sophisticated coffee, which is very inconvenient to make, or you can have a really convenient experience and the coffee's rubbish. <laughs> it's sort of like, well, I always said in my shop, when people come in and they buy a couple of bags of coffee, they're asking me about how to brew it. And so much time goes into brewing it, you're not talking about the way it tastes. And if you just watch somebody with Nespresso pods, there's no brewing to do. It's very simple. It's like a chocolate box. It's a sort of intuitive experience. They put one in and go, oh, that one's interesting. I like that. And they try a different color one. Maybe they describe it by color. I like the green one. I like the purple one. But basically what they're doing is taking part in a tasting experience. And I think we forget that when you ask someone to buy a Hario hand grinder and brew a coffee, you're asking them to take part in a brewing experience, not a tasting experience. So I actually believe that capsules are a superior tasting experience for most people. Very powerful ideas. Um, are they comparable to an espresso at least? Or could you uh, create a ristretto coffee that is on a capsule that is as good as the best you can make on a fine espresso machine? Yes, I think the question you're asking about how good can a capsule ultimately be comparatively to other methods is a little bit more complex. One of the big problems was hardware. So when I started in 2016, the only hardware really available were the machines licensed by Nespresso. So they will license the design to Magimix or Krups or Sage, also known as Breville. And that's what you have to play with. And Without going into the legals of it, Nespresso didn't really want other people to use their machines. So they set them at different pump pressures, and it works with their coffees, a very soluble, dark roast, roller ground, but it causes all sorts of problems with other brands' coffee capsules. We actually found our own machine, which, we, which is a basic machine, that, that we just wanted to brew something simply and get a better result consistently, and that's called the Opal machine. And that's a pretty basic machine. And then some friends of mine out in Singapore had the idea of applying that precision of brewing that happens all everywhere else with electric kettles and scales and apply that to a capsule machine. And that's called the morning machine, which I think it launched last year from the Kickstarter. And it's got built-in scales. You can change the temperature, you can change the pressure. And I've had a bunch of specialty coffee companies from around the world reach out to me going, now that there's the hardware, now they want to do capsules because they're really impressed with the results. So I think if you've got a roller grinder and a really high quality capsule filling operation, which it sounds, people often, they're like, how hard can it be? You just put coffee in a capsule. It's surprisingly hard. The way it works, the way the brew chamber is pretty small, a small dose of coffee, you really need a roller grinder to get the best results. And you're talking minimum 500,000 pound 
equipment there and the rest. So if you can bring all those things together, there are coffees that we have put in capsules that the best version of that coffee I had was from a capsule. Interesting. And what about shelf life? Shelf life is one of the most exciting things. The beauty of single serve systems is each serving of coffee is preserved. So you could buy sort of a rare box of 10 capsules, brew one, and obviously then you open up all the aromatics, the volatiles, you enjoy it. And the other nine doses are all sat there under nitrogen. And we've had coffees that we've kept around for two, three years that taste amazing after two, three years. So in terms of preservation of flavor over time, they're also possibly the best way to do that. Sustainability. Now, a lot of people are very reticent to take capsules, pods, because of the environmental impact. What's your view on, on that? There's been quite a few studies done on this, and it shocks everyone, including me at the time, that the lowest carbon footprint, and this is the challenging thing about environmental studies, is which metric do you choose? What are you trying to reduce, plastic or carbon? Because you might have a, a plastic supply chain which has less carbon, but you have issues with plastics going into nature. So from a carbon point of view, instant coffee wins every time. So that means the lowest carbon footprint way to drink coffee is to drink instant coffee. And what instant does is most people's jobs who work in an extraction lab at a large instant company, they're all trying to hit very high extractions, like 60% plus, which is huge, right? In a typical cafe in London, places would be working hard to hit a 20% extraction. So that means 20% of the coffee gets dissolved into the drink that you buy and take out of the cafe or drink in the cafe, and 80% gets chucked away. Whereas with instant coffee, 60%, there's different methods, but 60% gets used and 40% gets chucked away, which really improves its environmental credentials. So capsules, they come next. Because they're ground on a roller grinder using a small dose, so you're a higher yield from a small dose, the machines only flash heat the water you need. So compared to big espresso machines, they're very efficient. You know, it's even better than a kettle. Like a cafetiere coffee has a higher carbon footprint than a capsule coffee. Yes, we would like to find the best possible solution for that particular waste itself, the the capsule itself. And then you get into lots of debates about which is best, aluminium or compostable plant-based materials. Plastic has just died. Like if you look at the marketplace, it's really about whether you go with aluminium or compostable. And the really funny thing about the research is that aluminium wins if you recycle it. But if you don't recycle it, plant-based wins. But I often think it's really interesting with plant-based or compostable A couple of the supermarkets in the UK don't even want to use the term compostable anymore because they feel it's misleading for a number of reasons. But a plant-based product as a packaging product is nearly always single use. So it's quite a lot of energy to make that. And really what you're looking at is low energy production, not just saying something's compostable. Aluminium has the promise of being a very reusable, recyclable material. We obviously see this with Coke cans and other uses of aluminium. The problem there is all about access to easy recycling and consumer behavior. So you need to make it easy and accessible for people to do, and then you can get much higher recycle rates. To give Nespresso their due, their program in the London borough area has got it up to 30%, and they're still growing it. And they are letting companies like mine use their recycling infrastructure through a nonprofit called Podback. So we get to pay a membership fee for the amount of pods we sell a year. And that means all of our customers can have access to their recycling network, which means depending on where you live in the UK, you can curbside recycle or use Collect Plus. And I do think when you look at it that way, 
recycled aluminium capsules are the best option out of the different options on the market. Do you think that the evolution of the market is going to be more capsules or as people get more and more taste for great coffee, they get more excited about learning about it and making it themselves potentially, do you think high-end espresso machines ultimately are going to win over capsule machines or do you think capsules uh, or pod machines are going to be the way forward? I don't think they're fighting each other. I work with a designer who's done a lot of stuff for Jaguar Land Rover, Dyson, and he said he's never seen a market like coffee where there's so many different types of customers who buy and drink coffee for different reasons and you can have different products for different needs. I believe that they're both going to grow together. And interestingly for us, we have got a surprising amount of customers who buy both beans and capsules. And they're going to take that time to make that pour over or even make that espresso potentially on their Sage machine, which have boomed in lockdown. But then they're also going to have that that capsule coffee throughout the rest of the day. So I think I really do believe they're complementary. Wonderful. Uh, fantastic. Maxwell, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. Maxwell laid out a compelling pitch for capsules or pods. And indeed, every specialty coffee roaster listening should be asking themselves whether they too should be offering capsules or pods. But clearly, it isn't a straightforward journey, and they should be ready to overcome quite a number of technological hurdles to produce a flavour experience that proudly represents their brands. Now to finish up, let's hear from Adrian Roberts, CEO of the international coffee brand All Press Espresso, to learn their approach to coffee capsules. Delighted to be here today with Adrienne Roberts, Chief Executive Officer of All Press. Where are you now? You're in New Zealand? Yeah, I'm based in uh, Auckland in uh, New Zealand. What's been the journey for All Press, you know, launching into capsules? Yeah, so it's been quite a long journey, uh, convincing some of our diehard espresso people and uh, going into capsules. But first and foremost, we were only ever going to launch into capsules if we could get the flavour right. Uh, we use All Press Espresso Blend. Uh, but we roast it differently, obviously, to get that flavour into the capsule. So there's only six grams of coffee in that capsule. So it's hard to get the strength and the flavour right. So we had to change the roasting profile and push it as far as we possibly could to get that cut through in that six grams, but also to maintain the flavour as best we could. Yeah, with all the Opus being a specialty coffee company and all that purism, I guess, capsules, yeah, you mentioned there was a bit of resistance. Still resistance today or is it working? No, it's really working. Like we converted some of the sceptics in our business when they tasted it and some of them sat on them for a while. I remember when they were going through trials that I don't want to taste a capsule. And when they tasted it, they were pretty blown away by the flavour that came. So the launch was very successful. So successful, in fact, that we, we ran out of stock twice. Amazing. I don't have to convince you that there's a future ahead for capsules. No, there is absolutely a future ahead for capsules. You know, I guess that working from home, that at-home consumption has grown so much over the pandemic and we don't really see that changing. And in fact, as, as our different countries come out of lockdowns, you know, we're still maintaining that order base and that subscription base. So it's a really strong market. And I think what's really good about it is it supplements the cafe experience. It doesn't replace it. Well, there are people out there that 
thinking, you know, like as we have seen the evolution of the different ways of coffee and especially markets like, well, the UK, even Australia, and I'm assuming New Zealand as well. These were as much as, you know, Australia, New Zealand, very much, you know, high proportion of specialty coffee. They are markets that were deeply rooted in instant coffee. Safe to say that for New Zealand as well? Yes. Yep. And some people are seeing, well, there's an evolution. We've basically created a premium form of, no, it's not instant coffee, but it's an instant way of making coffee without all the fuss. And that mm-hmm. sort of replaces or improves the quality of what we're drinking at, at home or in small offices. But that it's not going to stop there, that we're going to see a plateauing of capsules and more and more people opting for an espresso machine, probably a bean to cup fully automatic machine. Mm. What do you think about that? Are you, are you seeing any increasing trend in New Zealand or in other markets where you're operating that more people are buying beans for you to make on their own equipment for espresso? Or are we only at the foot of this mountain of the capsule market? I think we're only at the foot of the mountain of the capsule market for um, a couple of reasons. One's that consistency and ease. Even in the office, you know, when you have an espresso machine, who's cleaning it? Who's replacing the beans in the grinder, hopper and, and stuff like that? And I think it's that accessibility of, of the cost of the espresso machine in, in home. Um, it's a barrier for many people, whereas the capsule machines, you know, are a lot more simple and a lot lower price. We are seeing that the increase in the beans at home, but I think it's more driven by people being at home and not being able to get out to their local cafes versus them trading up. I think trading up to be able to get that flavour in the capsule of that specialty coffee is a really important step in that evolution of consumers wanting to seek that good flavour. And how are you getting your product to market? Through the cafes themselves who are selling it for you? Yeah. Online? Mm-hmm. Supermarkets? What? Online. Yeah. So fortuitously, in January 2020, we relaunched our website across our regions. I know. Good timing. (laughs) It was very good timing, Uh, and which we were very grateful for. And the capsule, that was part of the driver of, of launching the capsule, was that we had, at that point, an ability to be able to reach consumers directly without compromising our wholesale business. I think you'll appreciate during the pandemic, we had five countries all in harsh lockdowns in March 2020, and we lost 90% of our revenue overnight. You know, you kind of think that with a lot of small customers that you were well diversified, but obviously no one had anticipated this pandemic. For us, diversifying and being able to get or press coffee, be it beans or capsules, to our consumers directly when they couldn't get to their local cafes was a really important strategy for us and for our survival, really, and for the survival of the brand. And and it's worked um, very well. So that is the main way that we sell them. Uh, We also do sell them in our cafe locations. And we've also encouraged our wholesale customers, our our cafes who have a retail spot in their store to also be selling them because that uh, helps them make more money from their customers and helps with their survival during these um, times. So that's been important for us too. And in the the capsule market, have you launched across all five geographies? 
Yes, the only country we're not in right now is Japan. Okay. Which we're just working through. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's um, sharing some wisdom for which, you know, are there any markets that are really strongly performing in capsules over others? Uh, New Zealand's performing the strongest. Um, I think that's because brand awareness in New Zealand for all press is the highest, but we're also doing well in Australia. And I I think that will actually start to outperform New Zealand. Uh, It's just been um, slightly slower out of the gate. Amazing. Thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Yeah, thanks very much. So it seems both Maxwell and Adrienne don't believe capsules will ever stop consumers visiting cafes or even from preventing consumers to invest in domestic bean-to-cup machines. Instead, they see capsules or pods as a complementary product that has found a unique place in the busy schedules of the modern-day coffee drinker. It appears that coffee capsules or pods will continue to grow in popularity as consumers realise they can enjoy good coffee at home with effortless simplicity. I'm excited to see where the market develops next and what new flavour horizons lie ahead for us. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate a good rating if you enjoyed this show. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song, in association with the Coffee Music Project, is a beautiful track, We Are All Just Human, by British artist Catherine Taylor Dawson. And until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated.